Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. Guess what? What? Special guest. We're back to having a guest. No. Yes, we are. Impossible. Is it? It's possible. And it's happening. You know, just in time for the holiday. Yes. Leave it, leave it to you, Jeff. <laughs> leave it to you to, to bring a surprise for our listeners on what? The eve-ish of the July 4th holiday. All right, Jeff, you just got to say it. Who are we having on? Steve Wynn, the incredible, hardest working man of the Paisley Underground. Mm, you can say that about five times. Yep. Yeah, so he's going to tell us about some new things that are going on, but we're focusing on something today. What's that? Yeah, so we're taking a look at, or we want, we had a few questions to ask Steve about Down There Records, um, a label that's started out, you know, a releasing Dream Syndicate and some other Paisley favorites and plus some others that maybe you weren't aware of. I mean, we know that Down There has come up for um, Russ Tolman, for True West, for Green on Red, Naked Prey, and a few other projects as well. So I don't know, we have questions and I hope Steve has answers. I'm pretty sure he does. Fingers crossed. So let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Hey, Steve. Hey there. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm, I'm, I'm all working out here. Can you hear me okay? Sounds great. Okay. Good to go. How, 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 how's this right here? Does it sound good right yeah, now? Yeah, it sounds really good. Sounds clear to me. And you're, and you're, you're not staring at the inside of my ear? <laughs> no. <laughs> good, good. No, okay. no we're not seeing any, any visual, and that's totally fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, I feel I feel since it's an audio broadcast anyway, it's best to do it this way. So I'm I'm not saying you guys either. I I, I still feel easy, best holding a phone to my ear, old school. Not you know. Perfect. I think after a year and a half of Zoom, I'm still kind of not cozying up to it. So this is this is the easiest way for me. Perfect. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Well, How are you guys doing? We're good. It's good to hear you. And uh, uh, Jeff and I have tons of questions, but. Uh, I think our listeners would really, really like to know a little more about this tour. We want to start off with current stuff before we move back in time. Great. I'm, you know, you know, I'm, I'm always up for talking about anything. So I'm, <laughs> I, you steer the ship and I'll, I'll jump on board. Sounds good. <laughs> so tell us about this tour and these beautiful new tour dates. Yes. It's happening again, Steve. There's live shows coming up. It's amazing. You know, I mean, I've, I think I think at the low point of pandemic times when there was no touring and no shows, I sort of made a list of what I had done in 2019. And that was kind of one of my favorite years ever, you know, in my life of, of touring, all kinds of great stuff with the Dream Syndicate. We went out there, we did the tour with Mata Hoople and the shows for these times and um, all kinds of things, touring Italy and the U.S. tour and European tour, just everything. And then I, the baseball project played at the, um, at the, um, baseball all-star game in cleveland and we did a residency at the rock and roll hall of fame i was doing solo shows all over the place i mean just you know playing with minus five here and there 
it was kind of an, a jam-packed year with all the different projects at full tilt. And, you know, it was, it was kind of, in a way, everything that I had, that I, I felt like I'd lived my life up to this point. It's like, this is what I, what, I, what I was looking forward to all along, just to have the kind of life where I could do different, fun, exciting things. And um, <laughs> then looking at the last year where nothing happens, like, oh, no, where did that all go? So it, it's very... It's very, you know, heartening to me to, to, to know that I've got all of a sudden 30 or 40 shows coming up in the next six months, just like, just like the good old days. That's amazing. We're very excited. Yeah, and, yes. And these are all soul acoustic. I mean, I started planning these a few months ago when things weren't quite as certain or weren't quite as rosy. So, you know, a lot of, for example, I'm doing a tour of Italy and things were really bad there, obviously, but they're much better now. And we were kind of debating back and forth with the agents and promoters, like, well, is this a good idea? And I said, look, the way I look at it for the European tour and really all the touring is if if three months from now things get worse and I have to cancel the tour, we've got bigger problems in the world than a Steve Wynn canceled tour. <laughs> and they all agreed. So I said, let's go full steam ahead and hope for the best. But I think it should be fine. Okay, so I think it should be noted for listeners who maybe haven't uh, noticed. So Right now, current start date, September 3rd in New York, in Syracuse. Yes. Then moving through September in the U.S., then October, all these beautiful dates in Italy. Yeah. You know, this is, and then uh, in January. So then there's a, a bit of a break and then January back in Europe. And then um, with the currently the last date being shown as February the 2nd, in Athens. Right, but there's, there'll be more dates added. Yeah. The, the, the US tour, the one, the first thing I'm doing in September, uh, right away, and like I say, starting in Syracuse, is pretty much a rebooking of the house concert tour okay. that I had booked for, for April of 2020. I mean, I was very excited about that and I've been planning for a long time. You know, I've, I've done house concerts on and off for the years, but I never did a complete tour of nothing but house concerts. And I figured, let's give that a try, see how that feels. So this is that tour kind of rescheduled and I, there are going to be more dates coming on that one. So that's going to be a full two weeks in the States and the extra dates will be announced very soon. And then the European date, like you're saying, January, there's going to be more there too. So it's all, it's all kind of coming in and loading up. But what's following that, I can give you a, a scoop on this. The, the, after, the, after these three acoustic tours or acoustic, electric, or whatever, <laughs> juggling, comedy, whatever, I don't know what I'll be doing. <laughs> I, I never know until I get on the plane, which depends on which guitar I pack in the, in the, in the taxi. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but um, but uh, beyond that, um, next year, uh, uh, for those keeping score, it's the, um, and this will tie into the other things we're talking about today, it's the 40-year anniversary of the formation of the Dream Syndicate and of the release of Days of Wine and Roses. And we are going to do um, a bunch of shows, tours of the U.S. and, the, and Europe, where we're going to do um, two sets, playing a first set of all of our of nothing but songs from the last three albums and then a second set of days of wine and roses start to finish in order so it's going to be kind of a it's like a be a now and then commemoration of the anniversary tour wow. and we are hoping the plan is i'm fingers crossed we're working on right now is to play los angeles on the 40 year 40 year anniversary of the release of days of wine and roses that, that'd be that'd be really special oh my gosh Right. Okay. Let's yeah, see. Jump back into your skin. Okay. Jump back. <laughs> wow. It's gonna be a blast. That's and, and I and, no, and, 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 and nobody know, no one knows about this. You guys are the first. So this is this is hot off the presses. Wow. 
Yeah, I can't he wait. Steven is the godfather of Paisley stage right Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, and that's true because we're talking about the 40 year anniversary of the Bream Snicket Days of Wine and Roses. We're also talking 40 year anniversary of the Paisley Underground. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. Wow. I know. Crazy. 40 years. Amazing. amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. And, in, in the perspective game, I was, you know, we, I was thinking about what was happening 40 years before that. And it was like, but smack dab in the middle of World War Two and people are listening to Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller. So it's 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 um, it's a lot, lots of perspective there. <laughs> That's true. indeed. indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about Dream Syndicate. Um, we understand. And I don't know if it's OK to talk about that. The band may be going into the studio for to record another another record. Yes. That's very true. And I'm not sure when this is going to air. So it might be past tense rather than future, but we are going into the studio three days from now um, to, to record a new album. Uh, we're going to be, um, it's going to be me and Mark and Jason and Dennis. Well, we haven't seen each other since that show at the Echo. So wow. we're going to be reuniting, hanging out, having some fun and making a new album. Unfortunately, Chris won't be there because he can't. Right. We're still not letting people from Europe, in, but he's going to be contributing um, overdubs by you know by um, email by um which is works just fine so it'll still be the five of us but the four of us will be in the studio making a new album in richmond virginia like the other three nice really excited about that we've a lot of new songs um i'm i don't want to say too much about what kind of a record it is but it is in our true tradition it's a it's a it's a transition and a pro progression from what we've done before so it's 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 not it's not any of the past three. It's a combination in a way, but it's, it's going to be a whole different thing again. Wow. Okay. I'm already excited. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I mean, I'm sure the same for you guys and starting to get back into things you love doing. It's just, you know, just, I think we're looking at the session like, well, we hope we make a good record as, like we always do. We hope that, you know, we, you know, have something good at the end, good at the end of the, the session. But in reality, we're going to be just happy to hang out for a week. Just to just to spend time together and you know cook burgers and and, and have a beer and talk, catch up on what's been going on. So no matter what, the session is going to be great. Yeah, I imagine the first couple of days is probably going to be more reuniting than anything. <laughs> I think so. I, th I think plenty of that. But you know, we reunite with music. So you know, the thing I think that, that the in a perfect way, I sometimes feel like that that the um, the communication that goes on while we're playing our instruments is very similar to what happens when we're sometimes even better than when we're talking. Sometimes we, you can get tongue tied, but you pick up a guitar and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show you in this guitar solo, just how frustrating the last 16 months have been. Nice. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I hear you. Nice. We're here for all of it. Yeah. That yeah, exactly. That's how we talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So new tour, new music, Jeff. Should yeah. I, I, it's great. And a lot, a lot going on. The, the solo touring. I, I, I really, well, I love touring solo. I've always liked that. And it just, of really just you know a great way to 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 get intimate and communicate with i mean i think i said it to you guys before but when i played shows with the band we're talking to each other on stage we're communicating through instruments on stage and the audience is a voyeur to what we're doing when i play solo i'm communicating with the audience it's just a, i connect with the people in the room the same way i connect with band members on stage when i'm in a band so this is it'd be a nice way to get back into playing again that sort of intimacy and also it's a more nimble, easy way to tour if there's any, I don't know, any difficulty in getting back into the groove. So we'll see. But um, but I, once I get past this first three months, well, not past, that's how we're putting it, but once I do this early solo touring, then it's full steam ahead to the Dream Syndicate for next year. 
all all exciting all of it's very exciting yeah i'm looking forward to it and, he, and at the same time you know as we're talking about this the baseball project is playing a show in portland next month um, um late july because we're heading out there to um, linda is doing some drumming on a project with peter and scott peter buck and scott mccoy and linda of course being linda Pittman, my wife and um and so i'm tagging along we're gonna do a little show and we're talking about doing a new record with that band so it's kind of like you know let's, let's get you know get back in i think i think you know we all appreciate the things we had and the, and to, you know getting together with friends for a meal good to just you know just talking face to face with friends more than ever so that 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 translates the same way to to playing music with people and for people Jeff, we say it often, but Steve Wynn is one of the hardest working guys in the Paisley Underground, not an statement, because it's really great to hear. And I think you make a really fair point that if we think about, uh, you know, Dream Syndicate, Days of Wine and Roses, we're coming up on a 40th anniversary, 40 years before that, you know, uh, well, I think you, you put it at World War II. So there we saw the end of World War II, we saw this renaissance and we saw this explosion of new music, new styles, and I think what you're telling us right now is we've all been kind of suffering for about 18 months of just kind of plugging along, doing what we can, and just mm -hmm. anxious to get back into clubs and hear new music. And what we're hearing from you is uh, there's more than one piece of new music that, or entity that you're involved with that's going to give us that. And I, I, I know I speak for me and Jeff, we're, we're way excited, way excited to hear it all. Baseball Project too? Yes. Like Love it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we, well, all the, like I said, in 2019, all these different things were all going at full tilt. So just hoping to pick up where you left off and, you know, just spend time with friends. I was talking to somebody about this, but they're saying, well, what followed the, the influenza, um, the um, pandemic of 1918 and 1919? And it was the roaring 20s. I mean, you know, I, I, there might be a connection there that after, after that, People went bonkers for the next, you know, until the depression. People went completely nuts and just, you know, partied down for ten years. So maybe that'll happen yeah, again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think so. <laughs> We're ready to follow. Yes, we yeah. are. My God, you know, I mean, exactly. It's funny because you know, I think that like anybody, you know, sometimes um, I, I shouldn't speak for it, the whole universe, but I know that in previous times, if maybe I started over planning things, like, oh my God, what have I done? I've got made plans for every night this week. I might get a little bit of a panic. We've been out every night in the last week with different friends, and it's just glorious, you know, just just being face to face with somebody in a restaurant or in a bar and um, catching up is, feels great. You know, you were, yeah, I think you really appreciate the things that, you know, obviously maybe you took for granted or maybe even felt like, you know, um, too much, you know, and and the same way translates to making a record now. It's like, you know, bands in the studio now as opposed to 40 years ago it's very natural it's not it's not you can't even be condemned this but it's very natural for people in the studio to glance down at their phones or glance you know like while, while you're listening to a playback checking the baseball scores or checking this or that i i i think we've all had plenty of time with our devices in the last year and you know and then there's no novelty in looking at a phone or an ipad so i think we'll be just shutting those down and making music because that's that's what we haven't done yes Okay, so now that okay. now that we got that those updates, which hello, we got we got an exclusive. So listeners, you can thank us later. All right, Jeff. So let's <laughs> take a step back. Yes. Okay. So one of the things with 
just 40 years back <laughs> Men. 40 years back world war ii there you go <laughs> it all happened one day. So, Steve, one of the things Jeff and I have been doing is kind of taking a step back and looking at some of these foundational EPs and, and LPs that have made an impact on us. And one label that kept coming up was Down There Records. And mm, so yeah. Jeff and I kind of started talking about Down There and we said, you know, one day we just need to ask Steve these questions. So we have a bunch of questions about down there. And one of the things that surprised me the most is I found not a whole lot written about the label per se out there, or at least yeah. accessible, accessible to us in, you know, in, in ways. And so we got lots and lots and lots of questions. Fire away. I, I love talking. I'm, I'm proud of that label. And I, I'm, I'm you know, I love talking about it. So I'm a huge fan of independent labels. Um, and a lot of the music that I own was put out by independent labels. So we're very curious about your label down there in particular. Could you tell us about why it got started and how it got started? And, and uh, I think Russ Tolman is part of the story. He's part of the story later on, not, okay. not the beginning. So let's talk um, about the beginning then. Yeah, I mean, the beginning, and it's funny because I, I, we were out, um, Linda and I went to dinner last night, um, not to name drop, with, with um, Ira Kaplan and Georgia Hubway of Yellow Tango. Oh, and, we okay. were and, and we were talking about the fact that, you know, before the era of the Dream Syndicate and of them just a little bit later and that kind of 80s indie thing, there, most bands, even underground, even punk rock bands, would sign to major labels and would kind of, in their minds, say, well, we're going for it. We're going to be toppermost of the poppermost like the Beatles said you know like like this that was the idea and it wasn't until the very early 80s that kind of bands started thinking oh I'm we'll, we will never be big we, that's not in the cards but we will put out independent records and you know SST kind of started that a little bit with you know with stuff they were doing and and it was a new idea you know it wasn't an automatic thing to look for the cool indie label because they didn't exist Slash Records was around and they were uh, one of the ones and a couple other ones out there but it was still kind of a New thing, I was I was I was um, working at Rhino Records at the at the time the Dream Snake had started, and I was my job there. I, I started working there in 1981, and when I started working there, you know, the the great record store it was just a legendary, classic store in every in every way. And they're kind of the staff they had there. There was the one guy who was the blues expert, and one guy was the reggae expert, and one guy was was kind of the folk music expert. Everyone had their little areas. One guy knew. Kind of classical and avant-garde stuff well and i when i got tired there when i got hired there became the guy who you know who i was i was the indie independent labels whatever that meant at the time and and imports from Europe, from england and i was sort of the buyer for that stuff so my job was to go in there you know and contact all the distributors and you know there were like places i remember now gem and dutch east india and a bunch of them around and um green world was one and i would get on the phone and you know buy <laughs> whatever the new the new flesh tone single and the new <laughs> fall single and whatever you know and spend a thousand dollars of the store's money on these cool singles and, and eps and albums so i had kind of a knowledge of how that all worked i kind of got a crash course net and um around september of 81 i had recorded in my basement 
in, well, we'll talk about that a bit, in the down there, the basement of my father's house where I was living. Oh. Um, on, aha, yeah. So we'll get to that. <laughs> I, was living, I, I was living for a couple of years in my father's basement near UCLA when I was going to school there. And um, I had a little four track reel to reel recorder. And I'd made a, you know, a bunch of recordings because that was fun for me. And I pretty much figured my days of playing music in bands and I was coming to an end. It was time to get on with life. And I had this song called That's What You Always Say I recorded, which really had no words. And, but I liked the way it sounded. It was a cool recording I'd done. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to put this out myself just so I can say I did it. Just so I have a single, I can always say, look what I did. And I put it out on, on um, an independent, uh, uh, self-pressed, place called rainbow records in, in santa monica um that used to well, i think it might be still around actually there would there was that you could make 100 copies or a thousand copies or ten thousand copies of a record and i made 500 copies of this record and i called it 15 minutes named after the andy warhol you know reference as someday everyone will be famous for 15 minutes well this is my 15 minutes to come up with a label for the record and i said well i'm living in my dad's basement so i'll call it down there and as you know yes there's a little bit of a kind of um what shall we say erotic connotation as well and also <laughs> even like and also kind of a devil thing as well so it was kind of multi worked on multiple levels but i literally was living in a damp basement at the time <laughs> which is incidentally where the dreams think it formed because it's in that basement i started playing with carl Prakota who came over one day and eventually with um well I, I started playing there actually with um christy and kelly cowan who of, of wednesday week and then carl came over and kendra came over and blah 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 and dennis came next thing you know that basement spawned this for the dream snicket and this label and i put out that single you know no big deal i think we probably sold 100 copies mostly at rhino with me forcing it on people like well, well, well while you're buying that um that that uh, richard thompson record you might want to buy my record too okay kid. <laughs> okay yeah sure what the hell it's only a buck <laughs> but um when the dream snicket did form in december uh and i think we've told the story before and it's been talked about a lot but we recorded what was meant to be a demo tape to get gigs as a band would do so we could have and we all liked it so much we all felt like this is kind of are we crazy or is this really good and the four of us felt like it was good i said well here's the deal 
I kind of know how this world works, this, this world of, of pressing, self-pressing records. I know how to do that. I know where to go. Um, I know how you get records distributed. And here's the, here's the, 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 the crown jewel here is I actually, my job, since I do spend with lots of money with these distribution companies for Rhino, they'll probably be kind of okay with taking on some copies of my new band's record. Well, sure enough, that's what happened. We, put, we did the, the EP, the Down There EP, and um, put it on Down There and um, made, I think, a thousand copies and had no problem getting distributors to take it. They were very nice. Well, first of all, it was a good record. They heard it. They said, "Hey, this is good." So it wasn't just a favor and you know, you know guilty thing. It's like, "Oh, this is pretty good." And we know you, and blah blah blah. So it made it easy for me to get people to take it on. Very easy for me to um, see how it was doing and all that. And just a good con, you know, confluence of things. And working at, at one of the coolest stores in LA. So I have to say, if the record was no good, I guarantee nobody would have cared anyway. But the combination of having distribution right away and being working at a cool store and going out clubbing a lot of the time, it made it kind of take off and it was boom. It, it, we sold a thousand copies and pressed a thousand more and sold those out right away. And we were on the top of the you know, independent charts in LA Weekly a week after week after week. So it happened quickly. It was great. That's amazing. And so, yeah, so, so I had this label and I wasn't, you know, you know I, I like the name and we, um, um, I, I'm, Dennis and I did the entire artwork for the first record with, um, press on letters like you know like what do you call them like you know like little, little things you buy at an art store where you kind of yeah. use your pencil to scrub the back and it, it goes on there it was completely you know very homemade and we had some help from his friend tom rashan who would um was was a musician and artist out in pasadena who eventually went on to win grammys at warner brothers for all kinds of things putting rem records and stuff like that but he was just dennis's buddy so he helped us lay it out and uh we just you know, put it all together and and uh, learned really, you know, very, I mean, that record cost $200 to make, nothing for the artwork and just pressed ourselves. And I, you know, I was get, getting boxes of records from the pressing plant, putting it in my back of my Honda Civic, you know, and, and driving back to Rhino and taking some there and shipping them out. And it's crazy, it was, you know, just, it was, it was all, all very easy. And, and, um, and side, a side thing of this, at the same time, I was starting to get to know, for example, um, Vicky Peterson, Peterson and, and, and Sue Hoff from the, from the Bangs, and they wanted to do the same thing. And I said, well, you know, I've done this so I can help you guys out. And I remember going out for breakfast at Tom's number five on Pico and Sautel and, you know, and telling <laughs> Vicky and Sue how to, how to 
press your own record and get you know get <laughs> get plastic sleeves for your seven inch and stuff like that. So the 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 you know I was very like say a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things that that helped the dreams make it happen. Hopefully not least that we were a good band, but I was lucky to be in that situation at the time where I could kind of put together all these you know banks of information I I had at my disposal. Wow. So it's almost like the stars were aligning to make, to allow this. In a nice act. way. Even down to one thing, my favorite stories from that day is when I got the test pressing from the, the, the Rainbow Records, I got the test pressing and picked it up down on, they, they were just not far from Rhino, came back to the store and had it in my car. I think I brought it in because I didn't want to work by the test pressing. And that day, Peter Zaremba from the questions came into Rhino. And as he was walk, leaving the store, I chased him down the street and I said, Peter, Peter, I'm, you know, big fan. I just wanted to give you this. He said, oh, cool. And a month later, I see in New York Rocker, he's talking about this great new record by the Dream Syndicate. So, you know, it was, just, it was, it was all those things really helped to being, you know, it made it easier to get people to pay attention to a band with no, you know, no reason for anyone to pay attention. Wow. So I've got a question then. I, I the, the shift then, you know, oh, here's, here's something I, I like, then the band record something and they say, hey, this needs distribution. And then it started uh, snowballing from there. But when we look at the list of artists, I mean, how do you then start getting artists records and distributing them on down there? Because this, this is a pretty varied list that we've found. We, we yes. definitely don't think it's the definitive list, but it's pretty, it's pretty um, extensive. I think there may be 10 records. I mean, happened, what happened next was, so our record came out and, and you know, I, I had kind of borrowed money here and there and, and, um, and did things on, on, on consignment and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we made the money back right away. So that was great. Like, oh, good God, I can't believe it. We've already made our money back on that record. And I, again, you know, and I, I hate to, to credit this too much, but again, working at Rhino, meant that all the distributors paid me on time because they didn't want to get <laughs> they didn't want to get me mad <laughs> it's yeah. like hey i'm gonna you know today i'm calling you to get paid but next week next week you're gonna be calling me to get to get paid from rhino so you know so <laughs> let's make us make a deal here right. but, but so but they did we got paid and broke even so that's great so suddenly great all that money's back and right around that time i met the green on red guys um at, at the show we played together to kathy the grand and i started becoming friends with them and Dan Stewart gave me this cassette they had made at, um, at a rehearsal studio in Hollywood um, 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 program. Pro I, I can't believe I remember this stuff, um, <laughs> but a program, re program rehearsal studio in, 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 on Yucca and, and Vine, I think, or something like that. But anyway, they had this course on cassette and said, oh, man, Dan, this is really great. I love it. He, what are you going to do with this thing? He says, well, you're thinking about like, like dubbing 50 copies and just selling it at our shows. I said, oh, no, no. Let me tell you what. Let me put this out. I would love to put out your your cassette, you know, your I think five, seven songs actually on the first EP. And and um I kind of know what I'm doing and see what happens.
Sure enough, we put out the green already, Pete. Right, you know, and and it does great. And my thing, my thing with bands was always, well, let's say starting green on red. I said, here's the, I'll put it out. Um, I can't, I can't give you any. Well, they, they cost me hundred bucks to make the cassette, so that that was no problem there. But I said, what, when, you know, when it breaks even, and the expenses will be really minor, we'll we'll split the money. You guys get half, I get half, which is a good royalty rate for a band. You don't get that at a regular label. So it was like, you know we'll go 50 50. okay so sure enough that record comes out and it did great same thing immediate boom sells great um we had a big party at, at um, um el coyote <laughs> big margarita and the mexican food party to celebrate the record going into the black and their thing did great and like all oh, right you know and everyone loves the green already p it's fantastic and suddenly i'm like, got a label going i'm like god you know so the next thing that happened was similar thing naked prey friends of tucson friends of, of the green or red guys I hear their cassette, like, oh my God, Naked Prey, you guys are the best thing ever. And I, same thing, put it out, break season right away. A runaway bullet split my mind, shot from the other side of things that live and breathe and die. Never asked the reasons why it passed through my brain so fast. My friends, I'm free at last. Now lay me down to sleep, I pray to God. My soul to keep this flesh on the wall. It was a nice start to, to, you know, three really cool records that people liked that started bands kind of careers going. And then that was kind of it. That was sort of, then after those three, I just, you know, I never wanted to be a label guy. I didn't want to, I didn't, I've to then, since then, now today, I don't dig the music business. It's not like it never been a thing like, oh, I want to, you know, make it big in the biz. It's like, just like not, I just want to make records and have fun and, you know, maybe help some other people out along the way and do that forever. So I stopped doing the label, but sometime, well, a few years later, and we're talking about the Naked Prey records from 83, maybe, maybe 84, sometime around 87. I had been become friends with a guy named Bill Hine, who who worked at um, who ran Enigma Records. He had been at Green World before that, distributing our records. But um, I talked to him, and he said, "You know, if you're into this, you know, Enigma is kind of starting to happen. If you if you're into this, we'd like to do a deal with Down There, where we put out, you know, a series of records, like say four or five, six records, whatever. I forgot how many, but we'll do this many per year, and you know, we'll we'll." cover the cost and distribute them and you know rather than i would make a lot less money but i would um they would take care of all i wouldn't lose any money mm-hmm. so, so wow that sounds like fun and i get to you know for me it was, it was never like oh and all together you know loads of money and live in a penthouse and you know, and the hollywood hills no it was more like i get to help bands out i get to get, get to turn on people onto good music i like and maybe help some other groups so we started going and when that happened you know, the dreams thing, it was at, at full tilt at that point. And I was, that was my main thing, but I wanted to do this. So I knew, of course, Russ Tolman from back in Davis, California, where we did suspects together and were good friends. We'd stayed friends through True West and all that. And I knew he had a good business sense, which he did and still does. And also that he was 
cool with the music scene and big music fans. So I said, Russ, can you help me out with this? Can you run this thing for me? But sure. So he became like really like the general manager of down there, okay. whatever, you know, whatever that means. And he, he was, the deal was I'll find bands. I think I was paying him something. I hope <laughs> I have to ask him that. Can't remember now, but he was pretty much the guy who had dealt with, with, with Enigma and, and dealt with all the business part of it. And we were, you know, a label and we're having a blast, you know? Now, so now I'm looking around and I'm like, you know, okay. Um, I can't remember the order of things. I think the next one might've been divine weeks. maybe doing a show at UCLA, I forget again how I knew them, but I loved this record and thought they were great. Put that out. And at the same time, um, Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs were my favorite band in the universe back in 1981 when I was um, hanging out at Cathay de Grand and DJing there. They were, you know, I mean, my God, Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs are, you know, they're legendary, of course, because, you know, um, Van Halen sang about them and and um, they were just the greatest live band and every Tom Waits went to all their shows and no, they never made a record, never had a record out. And I'm like, this is criminal. And I met with somebody in the band, I think the bass player, Gil T. And I said, Gil, is there any recording of the band? And he said, yeah, there actually is a one. We made a record that never came out. I said, well, please let me put it out. So I pretty much would, you know, put out one after another, met a band in London on tour called Doctor's Children, thought they were great. Was Russ Tolman's first solo record.
you know, that was a gimme. That wasn't obvious because he was, my friend was managing the label and it was a really good record. So all these things happen with that same kind of deal. Like, like, look, you know, I can't promise anything, but we'll put this out. You know, you've got to do, I can try to promote it, but you, you got to promote it, but I will, I will make sure your record exists and then we'll split whatever comes in and, and off to the races. So it was kind of a, that's how things work. Now, around the same time, jumping ahead, you know, suddenly the label's up and running and think people are talking about, oh, down there is like a label that you might want to be on. So <laughs> around this time, the legendary Fast Freddie Patterson, a, a fast, you know, man about town in LA, probably, I hope, I would imagine a lot of your listeners know him because he was a big guy in the scene, cool, one of the coolest guys in LA, now lives in New York and is still a very good friend. He went to Boston to see a friend out there and came back to LA and said, you know, Steve, I saw, I saw this great band in Boston. I saw them play their first two shows. They're just starting. And I happened to be where they were playing their shows and they blew me away. And I thought they'd be great for down there. And I told them, they said, oh, we're big fans of the Dream Syndicate and Green Are Red. We'd love to talk more about this. And they gave him their demo tape. And he brought it back to me and said, so, you know, you might want to put this out. And oh, this demo tape was really good. And I contacted the band and they said, yeah, we'd, we ha- here's our lawyer and we'd love to be on down there. I said, great, let's do this. They said, the only thing is we need um, $2,000 to pay back our recording. I said, look, here's the thing. The way down there has always been, we don't give any money, but you're going to get half, half the money back on the record and you'll make more at the end. But, but just, I, I can't change the rules. That's, that's the way it works. They said, they said, oh, well, okay. We can't do it then, but thanks. I said, thanks as well. It was the Pixies. So wow. So they so I turned down the Pixies. That was, that was my <laughs> my that's my genius record label stuff. And I always say that rather than lamenting that I could have been like you know the the next you know stiff records or rough trade or who knows what. I think had they signed it down there, it would have killed their career. So I, I think <laughs> I think I did them a favor. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. No, no. And the same thing happened. So a similar story happened. I'm just rattling off all this stuff. But I went to um Raji's one night to see. The spinning wig hats, which was um, which was the um, a, a secret show by the Long Riders. They played at um, they played at Rogers, and they had Stevens friends from Richmond House of Freaks open the show, and I saw the first LA show of House of Freaks opening for the spinning wig hats, the Long Riders, and so, and they were fantastic. And oh my God, House of Freaks were just blew me away. Um, Brian and Johnny were played a killer set and I was standing next to Gary Stewart the whole time watching um you know watching them play and I said to Gary I'm thinking about putting these guys out and down there and Gary said oh because I was thinking about asking to, to sign with Rhino and I said <laughs> oh I said please go ahead you you win I, I, I they should be with Rhino yes I mean so that that was my that was my attitude to the label it never it was never trying to you know be a big business thing or try to make a lot of money it's just like well if if you're a band and I like you, and you've got nothing better going, I'll be your label. And that was sort of the thing. That, 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 that's how I did it. Wow. So there is a record that my bandmate puts in his top 10 of all-time records, and it's The Last Days at the Ranch by the Romans. I didn't mention that. I can't believe I didn't mention that. Yes, of course. So how did, how did you become involved with the Romans? How did I miss that one? That's terrible. I produced it, and they're my friends and one of the, it is really one of the records I'm most proud of on the label oh my god 
Yes, you holler. In my hometown, you gotta holler. If you wanna be heard, you gotta speak out loud. Cause everybody else just talks so proud. Um, that happened. Um, I guess, I guess, well, I was a huge fan of Monitor, first of all, which I still think is one of the best bands ever out of LA in history. It's like there was they a great live band. Kendra and I used to go to see them whenever they played, which was very rarely um, back in 1881. And so I knew Michael Ewan, and Keith Mitchell through that band, very different band than, than the Romans, incidentally. And, uh, I knew Juan through through Dennis and Human Hands, so they were, these were friends. And I knew Robert Lloyd probably best of all, just from being a friend, hanging around. Okay. Um, you know, I knew him first as a, as a music critic for the LA Weekly when he would when he wrote great things about the Dream. But I so all that in, in as a as a lead, and I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, I I I, I forget the order of things, actually. But the Romans existed before Robert, a band, they were with Mikey Borens, who we had to play with Chris Kakavis um, in his band, and, and my, played my band as well for a while. Anyway, they had the Romans opened for the Dream Syndicate at the Roxy, I think in 83. I'm just rattling off. I sometimes forget the order of things. So I was hip to the Romans. I knew what they were doing, but eventually Mikey left the band and Robert replaced him. Okay. So I had that friendship. So it was a, it was a natural thing. And I, I think they came to me and said, would you like to produce our record? We'd love to have you do that. And I don't think I'd ever produced a record at that point, oh. but we did it. We did it at Quantic Studios in Hollywood where we'd done Danny and Dusty. And it was a great session, just a really, really productive session. Michael Yellencott's songs were so good. And, and, and the band played so well together. And, and, um, and I had a great time. I think I brought something good out, something out of them. I mean, my, 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 my attitude towards producing is generally just one to help the band get the job done, just to get in there and keep things moving and organized and also to be a cheerleader and try to get help the, the band make the record that they want to hear in their heads if i can help them get to that point i'm not a i'm not the todd rumgren type where i'm going to take you and make you into my vision it's like what what would this band's dream record sound like and how can i help them get there and, and that was a case where it happened which just worked great so it was a natural to put out on down there so that was you know, again, very easy. And, and, and in all these cases, all the bands we're talking about that, that were on down there, I don't know how easily they would have found another another label. I'm not saying they wouldn't have, and you probably could have, but there was never a case of, like it would have been with the Pixies or House of Freaks where I'd be bidding on somebody. It's like, well, sure, I'll put it out. Now, I will say, sadly, you know, the first three records did fairly well. The best, I mean, I think eventually... And I generally don't like talking numbers, but I'm so proud as a label magnet. I mean, I think the Dream Stinkin' and Green on Red probably sold 
10 to 15,000 each. And that was just great. I mean, wow. it, 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 for, it was like, wow, you know, well, nothing else after that sold like that. And the ones that I did for the bands and when the label started going with Enigma were not selling that kind of way. So they weren't, there's sadly no, you know, big success stories, but it gave those bands records they could you know, hold in their hands and sell at shows or, or do whatever they want to do with. And, and, and that was great, but it, I, I kind of lost the spark of like, well, I'm, you know, making career start. Now that's there's a satisfaction to that. That's all I wanted, and I got that with Naked Brain, Green on Red, and of course with the Dream Snicket, and now with the other bands. And right about the same time, this is this is this is the end of down there in a way, at least, at least for for the time, is the the the, the L.A. Reader, the newspaper, the Reader Weekly um, Weekly Reader did a cover story on down their records. When you say people, there was not much of a press trail. That was the one. They did a big lengthy cover story on my little label in the reader. Which was, I was very flattered you know, at the time. I said, cool, great. Yeah, all, all, they talked to me and Russ. Well, after that happened, all of a sudden people are contacting me like, you know, you know, schmoozing me and talking to me. And if I, said, if I saw people at gigs, they weren't talking to me about the Dream Snicket or about who's my new favorite band. Or the, it was like, can I give you a demo tape? I went, uh-oh, this is not what I want. This is not who I want to be. I don't, you know, I just, this is not, uh, 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 uh. so that was, that was, that was about when I said, okay, label days are over and I stopped doing it. Oh, wow. Wow. That's very interesting. But um, you did put out um, a compilation record, right? With the yes. Only 39,999,999 behind Thriller, right? Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was the final one. That was kind of just a, a compilation of, you know, just to get all the, just, just to get people hip to all the bands. I, I mean, I, like I say, my biggest goal and motivation was to, with the dream that, well, hopefully the Romans and Divine Weeks and Doctor's Children, Top Rhythm, Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs, and and Russ Tolm and and all these bands will be as will will have the same you know um, popularity and 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 you know exposure that Dream Snicket and Green on Red did. So hopefully that'll happen to them too. And it wasn't really happening. So this was kind of a last ditch thing, maybe to get people to hear about their music and get turned on to them. Um, and look, I. I'd like to think they're all happy with what happened, but I'll tell you something else that happened at the time too. And this is, you know, maybe a little more candid than I should be, but I feel like I can be candid with you guys, but, uh, but I, I was starting to get like some grief here and there, like, you know, um, a certain member of Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs kind of started being threatening with Russ about him not being honest about um, royalties and, and, and a similar thing happened with Naked Prey. You know, I don't want to badmouth people, but it was, was starting to get that type of thing where we were the enemy. It's like, you know, are you guys, What's going on here? It's like, man, the last thing I'm planning on trying to do is rip you off. Like, you ask me any question, I'll give you the answer. You want to look at my hand? This is not what I'm, but that was a frustrating thing. Like, oh, oh, how did this happen from I'm just a facilitator for your music and a cheerleader to I'm the suit? You know, uh-uh, no, uh, that's not what I did this for. And so all those things combined to me saying, that's enough. Now, in the years following that, you know, that was the end of the label, but down there was the label for here come the miracle i just stamped the 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 logo on there and i always feel like you know it could crop up again at any time it's it's a it's a cool name it's a cool name for a label it's a cool logo it's you know it's it's ties into 
the very beginning of when everything started for me and the band. So, you know, it might crop up again sometime. Hmm. Well, I recently picked up the acoustic and electric CDs that I've had digitally for a while, but I wanted, being a completist, I wanted to have the, the physical copies. And I did notice that. that on the back, there is a little down there uh, on both. The, yes. The, the, a version of the logo appears. So it got me yeah. thinking again that down there might be coming up here again. Perhaps. And and there might be more in the future too, like that. You know, but it'll be tied into things I'm doing that you know that I want to do on my own. You know, it's it's look. I mean, a couple times over the years we, we've made um, down there T-shirts and sold them on the road. And, oh my God, those go so fast. People love those. They're just uh, you know, it's kind of people who know that, like you guys, people who know the history. It's like that's a cool thing. And uh, you know, it's you know, I'll say I never know. I just. I still hear bands all the time that I just love and would love to turn people on to. And maybe someday I'll do that kind of thing again. It's, you know, I could have easily gone as funny as like, I, um, at one point I ran into uh, this guy, um, very well known, Frank Riley, who's a, um, a um, booking agent. In the eighties, he booked everybody. He was, you know, the, for the scene, had replacements, Dream Syndicate, Violent Femmes, um, um, Alex Chilton, um, um, I'm just, you know, just t- tip of the iceberg. He was, if you were kind of a cool underground indie band back then, he was booking you and he would, did a great job. He was very supportive, knew how to get those bands out there and was booked us for seven years, almost the, almost the entire length of the band. He was our agent. And only on the very last tour, we went with a big, <laughs> um, big agency. It was a horrible mistake. Frank was fantastic. And since then, he's become a big, big, big deal. He, you know, now does, Wilco and Los Lobos and Ben. Ben's even far bigger, but I'm not, I can't remember who they are. But sometime around the mid 90s, after I'd had him working for a while and his star had risen, he came to a show of mine and he came to me at the show. And, you know, we'd play a killer show. It was one of the earlier shows with Linda. It was that first band I had with her. And we just, you know, knocked him dead. A club in San Francisco sold out show. And he said, Steve, I want to talk to you about an idea, something I, th- I think you'd be good with. And I said, oh, Frank's going to be my agent again, or he's going to propose I open one of, a tour of one of his bands. He said, I think you'd make a great A&R man. And my heart sank. Now, you know, I, I kind of like, no, that's not what I want to do. Now, looking back, he was being very kind and generous to, to, to you know, he, for all I know, if I would have said, Frank, you're absolutely right. I might be a, a zillionaire today or whatever, or <laughs> who knows what, but you know, but he was trying to help me out in a way. And like, I feel like, no, 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 this is again, that thing where I'm not, no, I'm, I'm not never, never, never want to be music biz. I just want to make, make music and that's fine for me. So I politely said, gosh, that's great, Frank, but did you dig the show? <laughs> I hope you enjoyed what, I hope you enjoyed what you just saw. <laughs> but he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. He was, he meant, he meant, the, he meant well when he said that. Yeah, I can totally see w- w- where he would be coming from with that because you know music, you know bands, and um, I do, I do, and I look at like you know, um, you know, I mean, people, people have done this well. The guy, um, I'm spacing his name right now. The guy who did um, um, um Creation Records, um, uh, oh, yeah, I don't know who that is. I know that. I know. Label. So, yeah. Tip of my tongue. Great, great label. Great guy who ran the label and ran. He ran it like you know. Uh, oh God. Anyway, I'm not gonna torch myself with all you anybody hearing this might be saying it out loud right now <laughs> um, but uh but he 
he ran that label like a fan. He just ran that. He picked the bands he liked, and he did a great job and made the careers of Oasis and Primal Scream and and you and My Bloody Valentine, and blah blah blah. That's great. And I could have seen. You're you're right. I mean, I've I've I guess I had enough of business sense and enough of savvy and hopefully was enough of a you know a kind person to musicians made them feel made them feel safe and trusted and um had good enough taste i could have done that at any point it just i guess you know it's the thing about being in la you 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 either kind of fall into the music business thing or have an aversion to it and i was the latter despite yeah. having worked at a record store despite having had a label it's like no and it's kind of one of several one of many reasons but not the main one but one reason i moved to new york because i just got tired of going to shows and having people say well so and so has a developmental deal with Kevin I don't care you know, what, <laughs> yeah. well, how's their music you know so I think I think I think it's that side of things but the flip side was I'm proud of what I did with down there because maybe people wouldn't have heard, we wouldn't have heard of green and red maybe they wouldn't have heard naked prey maybe we would even the lesser records that didn't sell as well even those wouldn't be out there for your friend who loves the Romans so yeah I didn't my work was done. <laughs> nice, nice. So I think Alan McGee, was that who you were talking about? Alan McGee, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I did a Google search while you were talking. So. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that this label did exist, Steve, and that you gave uh, these artists opportunities for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, you know, and, and, my, and my, again, in some way, you know, as time goes on, I mean, if I, hey, look, if I played a show tomorrow, you know, in, in, in Italy and some bands on the bill and i freak about how good they are and they say oh my god we just we'd love to get our music out there there's no saying there's no saying i wouldn't say you know what time uh, let me help you out again maybe that would happen it's very very possible i mean i've always been talking about the music and i've always for example been very obsessed with op- the opening bands who's what bands were on the bill with shows i played because i want them to be to, to help bands get started Besides loving writing songs and playing music and making records, I've always loved um, um, being able to turn people into music. Like, 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 but you guys, you guys are great. At you, you're, you're, you're on criers for music that you want people to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely trying to wave that flag, aren't we, Brian? <laughs> you, you did an incredible job. I mean, I can't, we, we spoke a couple of years back, and you're just starting this out, and you've got so, 140 shows now, something like that. How many now? Sorry, what do we have? I think this will be uh, 136. Yeah, so we're getting yeah, we're, we're Yep, the music that we love and that we're very passionate about. Right. That's for sure. That's fantastic. So Steve, yeah. I want to tease a little bit that we might be able to um, invite you back or we definitely want to invite you back. And this time we're hoping that you can help guide the conversation. Um, so we, you, that may be happening here um, in the next few weeks uh, for our listeners. We may be having Steve as a, as a co-host. And so um, I don't want to say much more than that because we, we're still planning. So I'll, I, I will be in the, in, the, in the Ronnie Barnett role. Yes, no, I'm excited. We, I know what you're talking about, and I'm very excited. And and you and you know how excited I am about this show. So I hope it happens. And um, it's I think it'll be it's gonna be. I think you'll be delighted at the stories, and the connections of to things we all love that will come up in this interview. There's a teaser. Very good. Well, let's hope that happens for sure. We'll work on that. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you see any one of these projects that Steve um, is doing, mainly his. Uh, solo shows please go out and see it for the ones that are on the east coast please report back to me 
I know yeah. a couple of my friends have said that they've yeah. gotten invites to some of these house shows and um please go see and report to me um but Bring we're very excited in europe too tell us about yes all the shows take photos give us your reviews we want to hear it all that sounds yeah. great to me document and, document document yes please and steve congratulations on the decade vinyl the two lp vinyl release that I wasn't that I went to three record stores to try to find all of them were sold out so I had to, oh. I had to do a little searching for the next couple of days and found my copy but congratulations on that it's it's wonderful I think um, curating that from the 11 CD set was just it's wh whoever did the curating on that did an amazing job because there are two slabs of excellent vinyl well all credit to Pat Thomas for putting it together and to Linda for the great photos and liner notes so that you know, yeah those liner notes are great. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's fantastic. And Pat, and Pat's been, Pat's, you know, I mean, we all love Pat. There's yes. no doubt about that. Pat, many times over, but what Pat's done for me and the help, everything he did with the Decade Box has been great. So it's so appreciated. Indeed, indeed. All right, Steve, we'll let you go. We didn't want to take more than an hour of your time. We really appreciate it. Um, I hope you get a chance this evening to get out and hang out with some friends. It's 4th of July weekend um, as we're recording this. So um, do, uh, do get back, Anna, and socialize like we're created to do. <laughs> well, exactly. And you guys, too. And enjoy the weekend. And, and let's start seeing shows and doing the things we love doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again. Yeah. We'll, we'll love to hear about this Dream Syndicate uh, session, how it turns out. Okay. The, 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 oh, maybe the next, in this next secret interview, I'll give a little teaser on that, too. Ooh. All right. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Never know. Thank All right. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Great talking to you. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye. Soraya, I had no idea where what the, the name of the label meant. So um, it, Now we know. Yeah. It's down so, there. Or... <laughs> Down or, there. Or down, down there. Down there. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, or down there. Yeah. <laughs> something I find really, um, it's something that, it's a theme that we constantly keep coming back to, Jeff. And that is this, this friendship and kind of brotherhood. But all these Paisley underground bands, they support each other. And then, I mean, here's, here is Steve Wynn who says, you know, like this song, why don't I just do it? Get out of my system. And then it gets some traction. And then he says, you know what? Uh, bangles, bangs, here's how you do it. You do it yourself. And then great on red, yeah, I'll, I'll distribute it, you know, and then, you know, you guys take it from there and Oh, Nikki Pray, how about you too? I like this idea of I did it, you can too. I did it, let me share. Yeah. And and like that label. But see, I thought it was really interesting that he said the minute it started becoming like a business, that was kind of where he saw maybe an alternative. You know, let me let's do, have the business part of it dealt with by somebody else and I'll continue doing what I'm doing on the side. And I mean, you look down this list of down there. Okay, so Jeff, we start with 15 minutes, which of course you have a copy. 
Why should I even question it? <laughs> then it goes Dream Syndicate, green on red. And then, you know, some other variants like cassette or um, EP. Then Naked Prey. Then there's uh, a various album, the Enigma Variations. Then we go back, Dream, uh, Dream Syndicate, green on red, green on red. The Romans, Russ Tolman, the Romans. Again, these are the same band, but, you know, maybe different, very, uh, different format. That's what I'm looking yep. for. Yep. Divine Weeks, The Doctor's Children, Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. And then the infamous 39,999,999 behind Thriller, that uh, compilation. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to Green on Red, Gas Food Lodging, Dream Syndicate, Days of Wine and Roses, Steve Wynn, Here Come the Miracles. Yes. Steve, Steve Wynn and the Miracle 3. And again, look at this jump between Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs, 1987. Then we go the compilation, 89. Then Gas Food Lodging, 1992. Then this uh, says here, Days of Wine and Roses, but it's got to be like a, a remake Reish. or, yeah. yeah. 2001, Steve Wynn and the Miracle 3, 2003. Uh, Steve Wynn, Here Come the Miracles, 2001. Steve Wynn and the Miracle 3, 2003. Uh, Steve Wynn writing Shotgun, 2004. Steve Wynn and the Miracle 3, Tick, 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 2005. Then once again, uh, Days of Wine and Roses, 2015. Then Static Transmission, Steve Wynn and the Miracle 3. Um, uh, not too long after that. And then same thing, uh, Days of Wine and Roses and uh, Dream Syndicate EP. Yeah. So, and then these two. The and then of course, ones. we've got these solo albums that also have down, down there. I mean, it was interesting for him to say three bands and then, you know, uh, after that Enigma comes in and it takes on a different character. But mm -hmm. I just like the fact that he said, I wanted to turn on people to bands that I liked yep. or bands that I wanted to help and, and share with people. And I think that is a part of a record label that I think many people just don't think exist. I mean, it's because it's seen as a business. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, well, look at you and your band, right? You guys, you guys have released yours, your album. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. No. And it's not an easy thing to, when you think about the cost versus breaking even, like I can totally imagine that party at El Coyote with green on red and Mar margarita Mar party yeah because they finally went into the black yeah you know? and then look at what we've been talking about we talked about that green on red ep we talked about i mean a long time ago we talked about that uh, dream syndicate ep yeah you know two very pivotal recordings um for that moment in time in in the la music scene i mean and look, is you know, it reminds me of what it. Please help me. My my days of, of Bible verses are, are long, long <laughs> behind me. But it's like and a and and a young child shall shall lead them. And it's like and a young label shall lead them. Yeah. You know, yes. it's like it. You know, come on along. Let's see how it goes. And you know, and then we see green on red, dream syndicate. You know, naked prey, and you and I've been 
talking about wanting to do a show on Naked Prey. And I think we have even more motivation to do it now. Yeah, that may be coming very soon. Yeah. Just this is just an interesting story. And uh, absolutely, I loved hearing Steve talk about this. It 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 was very eye opening. Um, and his motivation behind it, and the reason why uh, he kind of stepped back. Um, and it was it all boils down to wanting to to share the music and not um, be tied up in in the financial business part of it, right? I mean. That's kind of the reason why he did it and the reason why he backed out. That's the exact same reason yeah. for, for starting it and same reason for getting out of it. So, I mean, think about this. Doctor's Children. Oh, uh, uh, we met on while we were on tour in the UK. You just never, ever know when, you know, when uh, a band will just kind of strike your fancy and yeah. boom. Here you go. Yeah. Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. Still one of the best names I've I've heard in a very in many, many years. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Van Halen song that's about Top Jimmy? I think I know which one it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> Steve, um, that was that was great. And can we discuss for a hot second? We got an exclusive Jack. Mm -hmm. So what about these shows? Dream Syndicate playing songs. Two sets, from brother. Three. Two sets. One of the last three releases. Yes. Second set. Great albums too, by the way. Those okay. last three albums are great. And one, each one different from the other. Let's be honest. Yeah. And oh yeah. Set, Days of Wine and Roses, start to finish. I'm in. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know when it's happening, where it's happening, but I'm in. Yep. If, if I have to show up in a hazmat suit, I will do it. Yes. Because that show is going to be beyond yeah. 40 years. Does it even feel like 40 years? Bloody no. hell. No, no, no. 40 years anniversary of Dream Syndicate and the release of Days of Wine Roses. Yeah. And Steve put some perspective in it, talking about 40 years prior to that. So. Yeah. Um, but we haven't heard any of the universe inside live on from a stage. So yeah, you're right. So this will, I'm looking forward to that Dude. just as much as Days of Wine and Roses from top to bottom, which is an incredible classic album. But breaking yeah. news, folks! Dream Syndicate. New Dream Syndicate reunion music yes um and remember that nothing that happens in a studio is happenstance because the last album right mm -hmm. oh my friend uh Stephen mccarthy's gonna show up you know just kind of hang out yeah kind of jamming and then bum 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 plug in your, <laughs> yeah plug in your guitar bro yeah <laughs> and uh Man, and if any of our listeners follow Mark Walton, um, Jason Victor, uh, Steve Wynn, Chris Kakavis, uh, or Dennis Duck on, on social media, one of the things I'm really anxious for, Jason Victor, man. That guy's been like, he's like bottled up. 
Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just picturing that reunion family gathering at a studio in Virginia, and I have a feeling Jason Pictures is going to blow the roof off the sucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeff, yeah. I'm getting really excited. Yes. Yeah. You, know, we... many, you and I both have tickets to live shows. And can I just reiterate Rain Parade, new music too. Yes. Photo, photo on Facebook this week of the band hanging getting out. Getting together, doing some jamming, doing some recording. Dude, I, I'm, I'm starting to get really excited. Yeah. So oh. are you listening, Bangles? Are you listening three o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> this Paisley Underground, it's still going. Come on. You know, <sighs> Jeff. This is a breath of fresh air. Agreed. Yeah. Breath of it, fresh air. It's so great that we've turned a corner here. And I cannot say thank you enough to Steve Wynn for coming on and talking about um, down there and giving us some exclusives. Yes. To hold, to hold on to. Um, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, everybody just hold on to your horses. We got some fun stuff coming up. Yep, indeed. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so mi gente, agruviar, happy holiday weekend, and to everybody, stay safe. And uh, if you're in a place where live shows are happening, go and support these venues, support these bands, and let's get back. Indeed, groove on, Paisley people.